The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasu, your host. I have Jeremy King, the CEO and founder of Attest. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you very much for having me and a pleasure as always. Thank you. I'm glad we could reconnect after the Resta conference. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Talking about space in a weird way for an extended period of time and drawing lots of fun analogies and talking about the economy of Saudi Arabia and Russia. Always <laughs> they all fit together somehow in that presentation, which was brilliant. They did, but <laughs> felt a little bit shoehorned at times, but it's fun to talk through. Yeah. So it'd be great if you could just share a little bit of your journey and how you got to this point in your career. Yeah, it's a weird and winding journey. I'm originally a a scientist, so I worked in parts of ecology, parts of genetics, parts of what's now called synthetic biology. In particular, I worked on mathematical modeling of reef fish behavior and how baby reef fish grow up and move around the world and end up back at reefs as adult reef fish and proved how it's all driven by sound and then how interrupting different sounds interrupts different fish and therefore the whole underwater ecology is driven by sound in one way or another and if you manage the sound you manage the reef you manage the ecology super fun could talk about that another time but probably <laughs> probably address on that <laughs> you know this is where my love data empiricism testing ideas following threads of hypotheses and constantly testing and learning well the world needs more research on those things given where we are with the environment yeah reefs are in trouble but there's hope in there more on that another time as well okay another time i then spent nine years working at mckinsey which is a big strategy consulting company um Fundamentally being a recently graduated science guy with a laptop and no business knowledge at all, somehow being sent into big companies to talk to them about their biggest problems they couldn't solve by themselves. And working in that environment and traveling around the world and turning up in a new country, a new sector, a new business and a new team every one to three months You learn very quickly about how to work, what matters, what's important in these patterns about how businesses get into trouble or how to evaluate opportunities they're facing. Super fascinating way to learn about business and the world and different countries and different cultures and lots of interesting things. The bit that got me interested in the world of a test is all the businesses constantly spoke about being more data-driven and they were data-driven and increasingly data-driven when it comes to their internal data, balance scorecards, finance data, operating data, internal analytics and BI teams, using their existing data in better ways to make smarter decisions, particularly in manufacturing. Right. They were also getting much better at doing surveys and research and analysis about their existing customers, drivers of churn, things that we now call CX, things that we now call uh, customer success, you know, web journey optimization, getting feedback, getting NPS, looking at drivers of that, leading indicators. So using your internal data and using your existing customer data more and more was, you know, a big trend. 
all these businesses were missing something much more fundamental, which is data about the customers they don't have yet. This, for some reason, is the most valuable thing, but most businesses don't really have a chance to get a lot of that. The way that you act upon that gap or that missing information is to commission a market research project or look into social data for what we can glean or use existing customers as a proxy for future customers or to seek the gut feel of experts and extrapolate it to try new product launches. But famously, 95% of product launches fail. Most people's gut feel is completely wrong. And as a scientist, that's not only you know dissatisfactory, that's basically illegal. Where you are missing data, you have to go out and get it, produce it, find it. That's where you will win or lose. That's your contribution to the academy and to the advancement of the thought in your industry. But for some reason, doing that was really hard for all these big businesses. Um, and I thought there must be a better way to do more market research for more people in more places more often. And so I started thinking about that market, how to automate it, how to make it bigger and better and easier for more people. And that's kind of the genesis of a test and also my story. I love it. So a couple of things that you've said struck me. I mean, obviously, when you're at McKinsey, you're working with the C-suite, right? You're working with the people who are driving decisions, ultimately increasing shareholder value. Was there a disconnect with traditional market research departments to feed data into the C-suite? Like, how is that possible? Because you hear about you know, the P&Gs of the world, these big, large companies spending millions and millions of dollars on research. Is that the chasm that existed that you saw? Or, you know, what was missing there with that connection? Completely. And there's sort of two thoughts that come into my mind. One, the C-suite and the market research function, so far apart, it's unbelievable. It's, you know, the pilots of the plane and the people that fuel the plane like they're both working on the plane and you know the fuel is so important and the plane can't fly without it also can't fly without a pilot but those people how they got there what they're doing what they're paid and what they're focusing on and concentrating on are worlds apart and that was a real frustration because you know market research insight teams research teams data science teams analytics teams all these teams have so much data and they have so much activity. And to your point, there's a lot of spending, but you know, spending millions of dollars on market research if you're PNG, relative to PNG's market cap, is a tiny fraction of what they could be or should be doing. And if data really is at the heart of your business or customers are really the heart of your business, you should probably be spending a lot more on this activity than you do today. And you should probably be using it in more places. And that's the second part. What I saw again and again was there's data that we have, you know, reports that we've bought or research projects or briefs that we've commissioned that give us lots of inputs. Right. But it's very hard to change that quickly. It's very hard to add something new easily. It's very hard for a new consumer or data need that emerges to become satisfied easily. And we've seen that as a journey with our clients. So let me bring this to life a bit. I can't name the organization, but it's a big European retail company. We walked in there uh, three years ago and said, you know, we have this software product. You can use it to understand your target customers. We don't know why that's useful to you, but we think it is. Right. And right. we said, we've got all the data in the world. We buy, we hire every market research agency. We buy every report. We subscribe and contribute to every benchmark analysis. What can you possibly give us that we don't already have? Interesting. And, and I said, what don't you know? What don't you know that would make a difference to your quarter, your month, your week today? What's the thing that you don't know today that you wish you knew that would make a difference? And they 
listed out dozens of things. And I'm like, well, you don't know everything, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's the opportunity. Yeah. If by making doing market research easier, we can get it to happen in more places for more things, for more people more often, the market research market should be larger. And that's what we're doing at a test. Fantastic. And so are you selling to a different target audience within the brand organizations? In general, yes. So we have all sorts of clients, you know, half enterprise, half SMB. I'd say a big wedge of our clients are experts in doing research who love our product because it's easy and very powerful and high quality. Our product is also useful for people who hold big positions in big companies and don't get the data they need and they see a test as a way to get it directly. We see a test used by small companies that don't have a research team or don't have a research budget. They can't buy all the reports. They can't commission big market research agencies. So they use a test to get data where they have none. Mm -hmm. These are often much better at using that data because they were born that way. And the challenge for us is to build one product and software suite that covers all of these services and needs and buyer personas and sectors. But therein lies the challenge and the joy. That's so true. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So when you think about, you know, when buyers think of a test, what should come to mind in terms of how are you uniquely different than other platforms in the industry? What are your strengths? What do you want people to really think about when they think about a test? I think simplicity, power, and quality would be my three things. So and when I say simplicity, there are lots of ways to do simple things and to get simple data. But what I mean is something that is unique to you, something that's completely customized, completely bespoke, that is the, you know, the one thing that you really need today, we try to make that simple. Not a template, not a, you know, a static methodology, not a repetition of something that's done before and not using you know, a, a single panel to produce the best thing that we can produce that matches somewhat with what you're trying to do. Mm. The unique thing that you're trying to do that is completely customized and totally bespoke and tailored to you, we aim to make that very simple. Second is power, to try to show you things that you wouldn't have found by yourself. And when I say power, I mean power in the results to find things that are surprising or tangential. The power to then follow up on that and say, you know what? We found something really crazy about the French market. Let's run this whole thing again in Germany, in German, and figure out if Germany is different. Oh my God, it's completely different in a completely different way. And we're going to win or lose for a completely different reason. Wow, that's useful. Okay. And then quality, we will never claim that our quality is perfect because I think that anyone that does is completely mad. Uh, there is no such thing as perfect audience or sample or uh, consumer input data. But hard truth, most audiences and panels and online research is remarkably low quality. It is better than nothing, but it is nowhere near good enough. So a lot of our work behind the scenes is to take data from many different sources and apply a whole bunch of quality controls that we own. Um, okay. To use a whole concert of methodologies to create better data quality in the never-ending pursuit of perfection. Um, we will never get to perfect, but at least we're trying. And a lot of our IP and R&D work is on that quality. And we, we hope that it comes across to our clients in their results and their decisions. So let's go to all three attributes. I'm going to probe on each one a, a bit more. Simple. When you talk about it being simple for what a user wants to get to, it speaks like there is some customization, right? Dare I say a service level here. 
how do you actually deliver on that simplicity without, and, and maybe you have service, I'm not sure, by creating the easiest user experience? Yeah, it, there seem to be two emerging themes across sort of world of research right now. Yeah. One, one is around standardization, where simplicity is we all need to converge to the same templates and methodologies, and that's easier to execute. Um, it's easier to compare results. There is less human error. It's almost foolproof, and it's much easier to manufacture it as a software or service provider. And I think that's a really nice route because there are lots of things that should be static and repeatable. And there's loads of really nice ways to do that. Some more modern, some older. I think that sort of standardization and repeatability, that's a big theme. The other theme is there's loads of stuff that isn't a Millwood Brown link test or the equivalent creative or ad test that you wish you knew. If I'm, you know, I'll use a real client example. I'm um, a West Coast US company that has a very cheeky go-to-market message aimed mm -hmm. at kind of college humor, and I'm trying to enter the European market. That humor isn't going to work. Right. <laughs> right off the bat, sitting here in London, I can tell you that. <laughs> it might work in parts of the UK, but probably not with the consumers that you want. Yeah. How do you make that Italian, German, French, English, Scottish, Swedish, Finnish? Yes. What does good humor look like? How do we take a very high quality product, but then change how we talk about it to each of those markets? Mm -hmm. And there is no static or standardized methodology to do that thing. So the challenge for us is to build software that shows you that you can do the thing I just said without you thinking it's going to be very complicated or you need to be a real expert to do it. And, you know, nobody knows how to ask the right questions. Nobody knows how to structure the correct survey. If we ask 10 real experts in survey design, we would get back 10 quite different designs. For sure. The best thing you can do possibly is what scientists do is just to start, start with a few terrible stumbles, start with a few baby steps, start right. to throw out a few methodologies just at small scale. And by being fast to set up, simple to use, quick to turn around and easy to customize what happens next, that means you can start cooking up by, you know, tasting and cooking and adding ingredients and changing the formula. You can create what is the best way to do this based on real data and actual experience. And you'll quickly figure out how you are going to adapt your amazing product and your cheeky tone of voice to each European market. And you're going to discover it's no, nothing like what you imagined, but you're going to know what that is within the next few days. And that's what we try to deliver with the test. When you talk about power and really kind of feeding insights and feeding curiosity to the, to the person who's using the platform, is there machine learning that's kind of pushing insights to the user? Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, we add all sorts of things and we've got a, a bunch of stuff coming out on our product quite soon that adds to this even more. But what we're trying to do fundamentally is show you the most obvious results, but also show you some things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise or make it easy to discover those things, make it easy to communicate those things across your organization because you know, discovering the life-changing Edison light bulb in a room by yourself isn't particularly helpful. <laughs> um, so power means not only kind of detailed analytics that help you find the most interesting insight that leads to your newest, biggest, most valuable actions, but also the ability to communicate that. The ability to then say, you know what, this gives me an idea. I wish I'd included this question or this theme. I wish I'd run this in these three markets. I wonder what old people think about this idea. I wonder what Gen Z thinks about this idea. What if we made it purple, not red? And power means the ability not only to do detailed analytics, but to do all the things I just said, which is when you combine the power and simplicity, 
simple to do customized things, but it's actually very powerful when you start to realize you can work in these newer and more iterative ways. If, you know, I'll really stereotype here, but if in a sort of more traditional static waterfalls type research project, you will realize a few weeks in that you wish you'd included a whole half. You wish you could pivot in a completely new direction. You wish that based on what you saw in the first few bits of data you're receiving, that you've got a whole bunch of follow-ups you wish you could run. That might be a second project. Maybe you can't afford it. Maybe you don't have capacity. Maybe you no one will offer it to you. Maybe it's impossible to do. I think with a test, we say, go for it, find out, discover, iterate, run it again, but with this flavor, try this in three other countries, but at small size and see if those countries are the same or different. Apply this idea, but to a different demographic or to a different core ingredient or a different buying process. And, oh, wow, it's different from what you expected, but that's why we're doing research in the first place. Um, That's what power means. As you speak about it, it feels like the platform really encourages curiosity and you're not limiting like, oh, I already did five tests. You know, I can't do a sixth one, but more so ask the question. If you're curious, go find out. Yeah. And you should. That's how it feels when you speak about it. Yeah. And you should at a user level. It shouldn't just be, you know, individual people who can commission projects. There is, you know, I think that world will continue to exist forever, but Fundamentally, much more people should be doing much more research about much more things much more often because our target customers hold the answers and a test is the key to opening up your knowledge about what that is. Right. So speak to me about how does an organization work with a test? You know, is it everybody can use a license? Give us an idea of how you feed that curiosity, encourage that learning. Yeah. So we sell annual subscriptions that come in a whole bunch of different sizes based on how much data you want to get out. And that's the only thing okay. to charge for. We don't limit by number of users. We don't limit you know, licenses or seats. We don't charge any differently for very you know, specific or niche targeting. We don't charge differently for different countries. We don't charge differently for different project types or media. Why should we? We shouldn't constrain your ability to mm. go out and do what you need to do. If you want to test a whole bunch of videos today and a whole bunch of images tomorrow, why should those cost anything different? Because fundamentally, they don't cost anything different. Um, so I think, you know, we, it looks like we've broken a bunch of rules about how you do pricing <laughs> and market research, but really it's all just data. And the only thing we charge for is data and output, because that's the only thing that's useful to our clients. And that's the only thing we actually charge for. I would imagine there's different levels based on how much data you're going to use, utilize. Exactly. So, you know, big companies need a lot of data and we make that um, a, more efficient, and B, there's a lot of controls about which users can see what and who can use which capacity for which reasons. But fundamentally, we're saying all of this is just data and what you want to test, mm. we should put no barriers away. And we're just saying, just go for it. And we try to reflect that in our pricing and in our, in our packaging model. The other thing we do is in addition to the software, we have a team that can help you um, to get started, to explore a new a new set of ideas. We quite often get that when you know clients are trying a new marketing channel, they're trying a new product line, or they're running research in a new language or a new region or a new style for a, a new reason, and they often you know want some help. Um, yeah. We write a lot about this. We also have a team that can guide you through it and uh, particularly larger and older organizations like that a lot. Got it. Give us some facts about your company. How big are you? You know, I think obviously you're headquartered in the UK. What other offices do you have? Give us a perspective on that. Yeah, we're 135 people. We are half commercial, half 
data science, engineering, product design, etc. Um, we are originally in London, but we are big in New York now as well. We've also got, as with everyone, team members scattered across all sorts of other locations right now as well. Our client base is Europe, US, and we have other clients mixed around the world that's a bit smaller right now, but that's actually growing quickly, which is fun for us and presents sure. some interesting choices and challenges for us. What else is interesting? <laughs> I can start blurting out like that. Yeah. How fast are you growing? Give us an idea because it seems like you guys are growing leaps and bounds. That would be great just to understand your trajectory. Yeah, we're growing at about 99% year on year. I wish I could round that up, but it's 99.4, <laughs> which is nice. I think a year ago, we were probably more like 60 or 70 people. At the start of 2020, we were, I think, 55 or 60 people. So we've grown very quickly in the last year. And we grow through a combination of sure. revenue growth, but also new investment, a large new investment round, which is letting us do a lot more exciting things in a lot more places, which is nice. Congratulations. That's great. Oh, well, it's only no congratulations, please. It's only, it's only congratulations. Yes. Okay. I'll take it back. There's something. <laughs> yes. I'll take it back. I understand. I feel the same way about well, that. There's always the worst moment. Like people say congratulations when you raise new funding. And then I'm like... That's actually, you know, least congratulations. That's when you have the most capital, but have the least to show for it. I'm like, <laughs> it's always a weird moment. <laughs> then again, it's, you know, better to have it than not. Well, it, it's a validation to the fact that you're driving growth. You have creative ideas that you want to execute on. And investors believe in that thesis and that story. Yeah. And I think the fundamental idea to test is more people can and want to do far more research more often they're just lacking the ability to do it because it's daunting and scary and hard and complicated, but it doesn't need to be any of those things. And that's what we're trying to put in our software, the ability to just say, go for it and to let experts all the way through to novices have access to this thing many times for the first time. So Jeremy, what do you worry about? What keeps you up at night or you sleep like a baby? <laughs> <laughs> I think the main thing is that core bet. So the core bet being, if we make doing research easier, more people will do it more often because they know that they should. And in each of those little components of that sentence is bits of risk. Um, yes. Everyone knows that they should do more research and everyone wishes they knew more about their target market. Will they actually do that if we give them the chance? Many businesses have lived and died on the basis of something is logical, therefore it will be true. Pepsi Clear is a famous one. Like... Pepsi and cola doesn't need to be dark or black. And if it didn't have caramel, it'd be a lot cheaper to manufacture and it'd be a lot healthier for consumers. Turns out consumers rejected that one. <laughs> you know, there's an infinite number of examples we could use here. If we actually make it easier, will more people do more research about their target market more often? I think the other flip side of this is every business talks about being more data-driven and being more consumer-driven. It's like, you know, it's no longer big and cool to talk about being data-driven or being consumer-centric. Those are old ideas, but they, are, they are as true as ever. Yep. Um, if you have more data about your target market, can you really do anything with it? If as a head chef, you had 20 tuna rather than just one, would you make more sushi or would that sushi be better? Do you have enough customers? Can your marketing funnel attract it? Can you, you know, bring it back into the world of research? Can I absorb and act upon this much data? It's like sort of getting wired up to the electrical grid. Can I even handle that much voltage? 
So a big part of our bet is that businesses want to and that we're helping them reach parity with what they can absorb and what they actually want to do, as opposed to dramatically oversupplying them. (laughs) I totally understand. And that's totally a fair concern because, you know, I think we've gone from the phase of, oh, my gosh, look at all this data. It's amazing to we have this data. What are we going to do about it now? What decisions can we drive? How can we make the organization embrace it and take action from it? So it's definitely a fair, not concern, but it's a a fair question in terms of understanding that acceleration. And, you know, a, a dream of mine is that three different people show up to the same meeting about product or pricing or strategy or innovation or competition. And they've got three different takes on the same problem and they're comparing their data, all of which came from a test, but each with different flavors and different angles and their own themes. And they together come to a better decision because they came to it from three different angles and they're comparing three different sets of ideas and three different data sets. That would be great. Yep. Not, not just because we've got three users of our product who are <laughs> using actually and having a fun time with it, right. but because... They use three different methodologies. They were quite happy to do it and that they're comparing a bunch of different ideas and data points and they come to a greater than some of its parts conclusion. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me today. Really enjoyed our conversation and always look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much. Pleasure as always. And see you soon. Yes, for sure. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.